Chapter 28. Uh, 28 is uh, probably a difficult chapter. But in chapter 27, David fell into sin, fell into sinful behavior. And today we would say he was probably backslidden. But David, even though he sinned grievously, he was quick to repent, totally repent, and turn from his grievous ways. But David, along with Abishai, has stealthily crept into the camp of Saul, who is pursuing him. He's taken Saul's spear and his uh, water jug or canteen. <laughs> and he does this when all of Saul's guards and men are asleep. For a deep sleep from the Lord has fell upon all of Saul's army that are camped there around him. Abner, Saul's valiant bodyguard, and he was valiant actually, is rebuked by David when David is a safe, far distance away. And he cries out to Abner, you deserve to die, Abner. You have failed the king. This rebuke by David causes Saul to speak up, and Saul pronounces a blessing on David. And Saul cries out to David, you will do great things, David. And you will prevail. But we've heard Saul say those things before. But in chapter 27, David has a heart-to-heart -heart talk with himself. And he goes off to live with the Philistines for 16 months. Because in David's mind and in his way of thinking, he thinks it's only a matter of time till Saul finds him and kills him. But David, in the 16 months, he lives out a murderous, deceitful life. He convinces King Achish of the Philistines that he's really on his side and he's King Achish's ally. So let's read the first two verses of chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. The Philistines have now gathered uh, for war against Israel. And it was not uncommon for these different tribes in that area, including Israel, to go out to war at certain times of the year. And King Achish, one of the Philistine local kings, sort of like we would call a mayor, uh, he proclaims to David, you're one of my true allies. You and your men, he said, I trust you completely. But David gives an answer that's sort of ambiguous. 
And there's a lot of debate as to what David means by this statement. Surely you know what your servant can do. So the question becomes, is David declaring true allegiance to Achish? I'm with you, Akish. You're my friend. You've given me this zigzag, this city, and, and I, I'm, I'm with you. Or it's possible that David says, first and foremost, I'm an Israeli, not a Philistine. But most, most scholars believe David is saying, you can trust me, King Akish. I'm with you. So let's read the remainder of the chapter, chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. Now Samuel had died, and all of Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had uh, put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they had camped. At Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when, this, when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium of at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one that I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life or cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. So Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me. Doesn't answer me any more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek, 
Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And the Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he ate no food all day or all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in your hands and heeded you the words which you spoke to me. Now therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant, and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. So his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he heeded their voices. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked an unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. Quite the story. Uh, we don't have many stories that talk about what we would call the dark side or uh, the evil side of demonic uh, oppression and so forth. But in this story, we see great truths. The Philistines, they have come to battle Saul, and Saul is deathly afraid, he's trembling. Saul has been spending his time, instead of being king of Israel, pursuing David. And now it's caught up to him. And Saul, he wants to know from the Lord, tell me what to do, Lord. But Saul gets no reply from God. No dreams, no ermine, no prophetic insights. Samuel's dead. And God refuses to answer Saul as he has answered him in the past. But Saul, he's determined. He's got to have an answer from God. And God is totally silent towards Saul. Saul is beginning to realize. He's had Samuel tell him, God is now against you, Saul. Saul's behavior towards David... And Saul's disobedience has come to the point it must be dealt with. Saul needs Samuel, who has been his God-spoken word to him. But Samuel has died. And Saul has no relationship with God that he can ask of God for himself. Saul has been guilty of killing the priest, Ahimelech, there at Nob. And Saul's world is crashing down. In the trouble with Saul, he's not a man who repents. He's a man who makes excuses. And Saul wants God's deliverance, God's 
provision for him, and he wants it on his terms. Listen to Saul. Find me a woman who is a medium that will give me answers. Now, I'm not going to pick on you ladies, but most mediums were women. You ever notice that? And I'm just saying, (laughs) the trouble with finding a medium or a soothsayer or a spiritist is Saul has banished them from all of Israel's. Necromancy, it's a fancy word. It means to conjure up the dead spirit of a person or what we might call witchcraft or something like that. It was forbidden in Israel by Saul's own decree. Saul himself has said, if you uh, are a soothsayer or a medium, you're going to face the death penalty. So Saul changes clothes. He takes off his kingly robes, disguises himself, and goes to the witch of Endor. It didn't end with Saul. Adolf Hitler was known to dev into black magic. He was into uh, demonic guidance. Okay, that was Hitler. Nancy Reagan would advise Ronnie, her husband, according to the astrological signs in the heavens. And it was well known that she looked for signs in the heavens to tell her husband what to do. But here we, we hear Saul wanting a seance And he wants Samuel to be brought up before him where he can talk to Samuel. This witch is afraid for her life. She knows of Saul's law, his edict. To consult a medium or a spiritist, it meant death. And Saul swears to her, hey, nothing's going to harm you. Nothing's going to come about bad for you. And the spiritist, she can communicate with the dead. And sometimes uh, we find that hard to believe. But there is demonic power. There is power in some of these uh, what we call black magic type persons. And we're not going to glorify witchcraft in any way. But they do communicate with what we would call demons. This witch of Endor summons up Samuel. But when she sees Samuel, she understands who is before her. Wait a minute. I'm bringing up Samuel, but Saul the king is sitting here before me. And she's afraid of Saul. And she says to him, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. Supernatural knowledge. And Saul said, don't be afraid. And then he says, what did you see? I see an old man ascending out of the earth. And he was covered with a mantle or a shawl type garment. And Samuel now speaks 
to Saul. And Saul's in deep distress. And Samuel wants to know, Saul, why have you disturbed me? Listen to Saul in verse 15. The Philistines have made war against me. That's bad enough. And God has departed from me, and he does not answer me. And I have no answer by prophets or by dreams. So tell me, Samuel, what shall I do? Samuel wants to know, why are you asking me, Saul? Don't you understand? The Lord has departed from you and has become, and this is the last thing in the word you want to hear from the Lord, he is now your enemy. God has torn the kingdom away from you, Saul, and he's taken Israel out of your hand. And by the way, Saul, here is why. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute the Lord's fierce wrath upon Amalek. If you hear God's word, you have a responsibility to obey. Saul did not obey. Samuel continues, Israel will fall before the Philistines and Saul, you and your sons are going to die in battle. And it's tomorrow. Tomorrow this is going to happen, Samuel. Or Saul, rather. This is a most interesting encounter of Saul and the deceased Samuel. The witch of Endor has been allowed by God to conjure up Samuel, God's prophet. And Saul hears from Samuel. You've got one day to live. It's all over, Saul. And God is now your enemy. Something to note here. Samuel does not offer Saul any pardon or repentance. There's no sacrifice you can make, Saul. There's no offering available to you. There's no turning or repenting as an option for you, Saul. It's over. The word from the Lord via Samuel has impact upon Saul. He falls full length on the ground and he's dreadfully afraid. So afraid that there's no strength within him. The medium... The witch, she wants Saul to leave now. She's uncomfortable with this whole situation. And uh, she's trying to give him some food where he can get a little strength and leave. So she kills a fatted calf along with some uh, unleavened bread and urges Saul to eat and leave. But Saul has desired God to speak to him. And the great misconception here, Saul is so desperate to hear from God, he goes to a witch, a medium, a spiritist, for answers to his desperate 
questions. Saul is desperate before the Lord. He goes to the spiritists that he has banned from the country to find answers. And Saul, he does hear from Samuel. And what he hears is, God is now your enemy, Saul. Wow. How do you escape that? There is no escape. And this is one of the few times in Scripture where we see grace is not an option. Saul, you've sinned away your day of grace. In Romans 2, 4, it says, Do not despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It's a good thing when we're convicted of sin because it should bring about repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. We who receive repentance and grace, we have a responsibility though, and that responsibility is to seek God while he may be found. It's not on our timetable. If you're been a Christian for any length of time, you have heard a person say something like, well, when I've lived my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to Christ and I'm going to become a Christian. And, uh, but I don't want to do that right away. I want to uh, turn after I've kind of did what I wanted to do. And what that person is saying is the Christian life is drudgery. Too many rules, too many regulations. Basically, it's no fun at all. But what that person doesn't realize, and what that person is probably caught up into, a life of sin and self-indulgence is no fun or exciting either. Scripture openly tells us the way of the transgressor is what? hard. It's difficult. It's loaded down with sowing and reaping. And that's the great deception in their thinking. A person can think that they will someday in the future repent, turn from their sins and come to Christ. You know, when I'm kind of through doing my own thing, I'm going to turn to the Lord. That person is assuming upon the grace of God. They have no clue. They have no understanding that we are drawn to the truth of Christ. How? By his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in every life that comes to the knowledge of Christ. You can look back. It's been the Holy Spirit leading and guiding that person. Sometimes it's a long, patient revelation of God's love towards us. I know it was with me. And Jesus said, oh, by the way, you did not choose me. I chose you. That'll mess with some theologies. <laughs> Salvation. 
is a gift of God. Given by God. Where we are made aware of our desperate situation, our desperate sinful lifestyle, by the Holy Spirit himself. Roman 1 tells us, God by his Spirit makes himself known to every person. And that person must decide what they do with the truth that is revealed to them by God. That's why we can't judge. That's up to the Lord. There's a story in the book of Acts, Acts 26. Paul the Apostle, he's been arrested in Jerusalem for causing a riot and so forth. And Paul is now in Caesarea before King Agrippa. Paul has been arrested, and now he waits for a ruling to come down uh, on him as to what they're going to do with him. And in Acts 26, verse 27 and 28, two verses, let me read them. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. This is Paul speaking. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost persuaded. Here's the sad news. As far as we know from church history and so forth, and from scripture, King Agrippa never turned to Christ. King Agrippa by his own confession, was almost a Christian, but not quite. And so here we are, two millenniums later. What do you think runs through the mind of Agrippa now? He was not totally convinced by Paul's testimony of Jesus. After 2,000 years, what do you think he's convinced of? Back to King Saul. He desperately wants God's advice and answers to his questions. But when Saul sought after God, even going to the spiritists and the soothsayers, Saul hears Samuel's words. The Lord has departed from you, Saul. And the Lord has become your enemy. Saul has lived his life. He's played the fool as about as hardy as you can play of being a fool. He's not obeyed God. And Saul is told by Samuel, tomorrow you and your sons will die. And there's not a thing in the world Saul can do about it. Saul has been extremely foolish. He sought God's on, God on his own terms, and he was rejected. That was about 3,000 years ago. Today, we live in what we call the age of grace, where any 
whosoever, and most of us are whosoever, can enter the kingdom of God, become a Christian. And all we have to do is ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, truly believe that he rose from the dead to secure our salvation. And it's that simple. Yet, there are so many who choose not to do this. We have the words of life right on our lips. We live in a world where most of it is not Christ-like. Most people uh, do not accept Christ. The way of Christ is narrow. It's, it's, it's a narrow road, but be glad there is a road to Christ. Today, Christ is willing to accept you, to accept me. We don't dare waste that opportunity. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. There will be...